the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 46 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Night Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts you can find over at MMA Junkie and OddsCheckerUS.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Night Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you listen. It's always for the fight recording this <clears throat> uh, Las Vegas local time Friday afternoon uh, for UFC uh, on ESPN 32. Hashtag UFC Vegas 46, UFC Fight Night Cater versus Chikatsi. Um, Sorry. Uh, there's, if you follow me on Twitter, at DanTomMMA, you know, I'm not uh, doing too well. Probably. Got the uh, Omicron or whatever the fuck variant thing going on. It's crazy right now. Um, despite being uh, vaxxed in my best uh, efforts. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, so I'm just going to push through, try to keep this short as possible. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it because I felt like trash all day. But I'm on a second wind of sorts. And I've got a new article releasing um, on MMA Junkie tomorrow. Just for some fight day. Quick picks and prognostications for the main card. I'll be doing those for the main card. They'll drop on fight day, um, which is why you didn't see me in the staff picks. Um, uh, that's something I've been hinting toward, and, and, and we're still working in progress there, but um, I'm no longer beholden to... Uh, no offense to Matt, but the, the dreadful... <laughs> the dreadful staff pick deadline, which did not... which completely went against the process that got me to the dance... And uh, I tried my best for going on year five, and uh, I, could, I couldn't keep doing it, especially now that we have to not just submit main card picks, even though they are main card picks, we actually have to submit full card picks because, as you guys can see with uh, the COVID waves, um, cards do, you, you, you know, in, in this town, your luck changes that fast. And uh, in this uh, era we're in, yeah, the cards change that fast, so... I couldn't just bullshit my prelim picks and know that no one's going to see them because they may actually show up and yada yada. Anyways, um, and um, you guys understand that. And, uh, you know, thankfully, um, my bosses do over at Junkie and we are able to uh, get something that works for the both of us. Um, and uh, so I could still give you guys my main card picks like I would on staff, except. I get to do it more at my pace. Um, I get to explain them. I mean, I, I don't get in-depth. I think I limit myself to like three to four sentences max. There'll be links and stuff like that um, if I'm talking about a fight that I already covered in-depth or whatnot. Um, and uh, it'll also link to my this year podcast for people that want more detailed analysis. And I'm like, wow, how bad would it be the first, the debut of this series over at Junkie and it links to nothing, you know? Um you know, probably the latest episode, which is, uh, you know, uh, Scott being awesome. Uh, shouts to at Scott underscore Fontana. Oh, I said fucking Fantana on the live podcast. Jesus. Fontana. Um, he does excellent work. Really knowledgeable dude. And she got his podcast too, at Couchside Judges. Really fun episode, but, you know, 
not, you know, picks and analysis for this weekend. It's, you know, me yelling and Scott being awesome. So I wanted to make sure um, I had something, even if it's just quick, for people that want my thoughts. I actually, that's a, another thing is like, especially with uh, um, the reformatting and stuff, like it made it easier to work, although, um, you know, I've been uh, getting down with the sickness. Um and uh, and and uh, and again, not to you know, I'll, I'll get to the breakdowns, and I do want to keep this quick. But I will say, this shit is not you know, I I understand some people might get it mild, but everybody's different. And um, I will say though, even though I'm vaxxed, I'm not boosted, and that's that's what was really upsetting is because I swear on my mother, uh, I've had it written down for the last few weeks here. But as you guys know, my situation, uh, I have a hard time leaving the house. Uh, not like agoraphobic, but like, um, you know, uh, the unique dog situation to my mother, who is actually back home in Hawaii right now. Um, thankfully, they're being really safe over there. Uh, but um, but yeah, I wasn't able to get. She'd been she'd been there for a few weeks, and with all the craziness, I wasn't able to get tracking like I wanted to. Um, video project like I wanted to a bunch of other bunch of things, including important shit like uh, getting boosted and stuff before they left. Um, and um, and yeah, and you know, I ended up uh, getting it from my girlfriend because she, you know, she, she she has to work with the public, and you know, a lot of her staff has has suffered. Um, thankfully, it's more mild with her. She's able to like come over and bring me some medicine, which is probably why I'm able to do this to you. So thank her. Um. And uh, tests have been so hard to get. Uh, if anybody has any tips on that, I, I have one, but uh, it's a it's a pretty good one. It's the Binex now or whatever, as far as those go. But I think what is it, the PCR thing? I was what I need to get um, to make sure I want to know what strand and stuff, because a lot of these are just like positive or negatives, right? Um, but um, so if any of you guys have advice for that, feel free to hit me up at Damn Tom MMA. Um, so I'm very embarrassed that because I'm not. You know, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, you, you know, even though I shouldn't stick to sports and you shouldn't, that sh that's a bullshit thing. Believe it or not, I actually try to stick to, like, my my proverbial lane, if you will, with, with my work and business. But uh, sometimes I wonder, and I know I may be vocal about many, many things that I, I feel strongly about. But I almost wonder, I'm like, do people think I'm, like, anti-vax or something? Because I don't feel like I post enough COVID stuff. I'm like, well, that's not my, my beat. But, um, um that's obviously not my stance and that's what's very upsetting that and the fact that i know we all been sick of the pandemic but like you know with the situation with my with my with uh, my, my mother um i've essentially been you know stuck to the house for for one reason or another since october of 2019 and we got brownie in december and you know she didn't mature and get along with ben as 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 we like, despite, you know, professional training and this and that, it's just, you know, we're still growing out of the terrible twos, yada, yada. And like I said, uh, I get kind of glued to my house. And it's not that I don't have a support system. There's plenty of people I could call and ask. And, you know, I think one time I had to, like, have, have uh, Goes and George watch um, Brownie. And, oh, they loved they loved her. And she, of course, loved them. And I was very grateful for that. But, um, but you know, it's... It's tough times right now, so you can't just go mixing and mingling people, especially if you're carrying something, right? So, anyways, long way to say it, but but please, if you, um, you know, I'm not I'm trying to be preaching or anything. I'm just, I feel like, you know, having someone who's, um, with all my faults, I'm, at least I'm honest and transparent to, to let you know how they're feeling, and this shit's no joke, and 
I was uh, I've been getting I feel like I've been getting like sharp pains in my organs and kidneys. And I feel like I just get like gut punched randomly. Um, outside of before getting the second wind, since yesterday it's taken me on average of five to ten minutes to get up. Once I'm up, I can do okay. I'm just like a drunk. Um, but yeah, uh, it, this came on fast, and I I haven't felt anything this debilitating since like food poisoning and, and usually in 24 hours which we're getting around but this stuff comes in waves so I'm not getting excited about it um, usually within 24 hours I'm able to kick whatever it is obviously food poisoning will, will, will come and go as bad as it is but even like fevers you know um, uh, and, and stuff like that like I, I rarely get sick you know and, and that's why I hate all that you know Oh, it's just this and that. It's like I, I really made a bunch of efforts to prep to get back on the horse, and I've really gotten back on the horse with my vitamins, um, eating really healthy and clean, actual organic foods, turmeric, ginger, smoothies, been working out, been back on that horse because I'm trying to get some damn momentum. And another fucking hurdle for your boy here as I try to get back in shape. Um, so I'm sure a lot of you are feeling this way, like maybe because I've seen some frustrations from other people who have been really diligent about this, who finally caught up to them. And I feel like there's this, just like all this pent up, like, again, I've been trying not to say, you know, fucking, you know, fucking fuck anti-maskers or this or that, but it's just like, God damn it, the reason why we're dealing with these variants and dealing with all these fucking different boosters and shit we got to get is because people, <laughs> in certain countries particularly, my own, guilty, um, just we, we can't fucking seem to understand something that other countries have been practicing and have done a way better job at us. Other countries that we look down upon have done way better at us than this. It can be done. And wearing a fucking mask and getting vaccinated, I guess, was just too much of a fucking ask. And it just sucks to not have been just doing the air quote right thing and I didn't get boosted, even though I was planned to. You can mark me down for that. But, like, not going out or going out very limited, making sure, you know, just... Even then, like, I was, I was still wearing my mask and stuff, uh, like, and again, not just since March 2020. March 2020 is when mom had her operation. She had a ticking time bomb in her head since 2019 of October. And then she had to be on medication, and we had to prep the house, and da da da, da. So I've been fucking stuck here for a minute now. And I'm um, finally due to come back home to help. And sub me out so I can get the fuck out of this house and as they're coming back I probably we'll see what this test says probably got COVID so I'm just very you know I understand a lot of people have it worse so that's why I'm just like I don't want to complain too much but I do want to stress this shit you know and again the CDC bullshit reducing it down to five days like when that's when, from exposure, when you're going to have the strongest symptoms, and that, that definitely went ditto for me and my girlfriend. Even though she doesn't have as strong as me, but it, it fell in that line, so. Anyways, I just, just play it safe is what I'm saying, you know. Just play it safe, please. Not trying to get preachy. Um, but I'll keep you guys updated with, with how I'm doing. Uh, no crazy headaches. Uh, I, I got my taste. Um, my appetite seems fine, even though I've barely eaten. Um, yeah, it just fucking weakened me and, and some organ pains. And I think I was even hallucinating with fevers and stuff last night and earlier today. Anyways, on that note, let's get to some hardcore analysis. Um, 
fucking 12 minutes of COVID talk. Wow, Dan, podcast was be 20, 30 minutes. You're already halfway through. Uh, yes, I'm alive. Um, I mixed my words up last episode slash got ahead of my skis. I did that a lot, yeah. I mean, I, I always do that, but it felt really bad to the point where it was just one of those reminders where, again, not that I'm a Brendan Schaub fan, but and, and, and I am a Bohachina Depot fan, by the way. I love that account. Um, but I, I will say is I, 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 even though it's entertaining that account and it's in, you know we make fun of things people say. I when you when you have to speak publicly, you know, and I've spoken to colleagues about this, you know, as I've been having a lot of private conversations, and um, one colleague in particular brought up a, a really fantastic point, um, which is true, is that you know when you have to talk so much a week, you're bound to say some stupid shit, you know, um, and we're all stupider than we'd like to admit. Right, and even a smart people, smart people. So, um, yeah, I definitely, meaning I definitely say a lot of stupid shit. Then, according to that uh, thing, so I apologize for that. If I was just mixing shit up left and right, um, again, I've had so much in my head and, and jambled, and that's another reason why I'm limiting myself to just one, even if there's like multiple weeks off, which is rare in a month to to one top five, because you you're really having to juggle a lot of info in your head, um, but. Definitely well worth it. Scott did a great job. Um, last shout here to at um, Dan Mac underscore. He gave me a shout on uh, Nate Diaz. I guess the, that guy who does a really good Connor impersonation. I guess he did a, a little bit of Nate Diaz. And uh, I watched it, and the guy's good, so I'm definitely not going to hate. He definitely is a, an actor. You know, he uh, he does the, the gestures. He picks up the subtleties, you know, uh, which I appreciate, even if... You know, you could pick at other parts or whatever. Like, you pick at so much of my shit, right? I'm, t- you know, I suck. So, but the fact that you guys like my stuff does mean a lot. I guess is what I want to say. So, thank you at Dan Mac for appreciating the Nate Diaz. He says he he wishes uh, he he hopes that he pops up, and that meant a lot to me because it, it, as somebody who has similar sensibilities, you know, um, whether it was like it's problematic these days, whether I was swinging a hammer you know, on a construction site 17 years ago now, 2005 listening to Stern, and then when it switched over to Corolla, there were certain things in each show that I would like, and I would almost listen just for those moments. And uh, when it would, I would, you know, kind of lose my shit as you hear me on this podcast from time to time and giggle. And uh, so to hear someone say that about this measly show, my show, my measly show, it just that sounds stupid, but it, but it, but it means a lot. Stupid <laughs> me. Nate, what are you doing here? Are you really, you really mocking me? I, I think I might have COVID, dude. You don't want to. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, picking this episode to show up and you know what? You're a fucking pussy. Oh, Jesus, that's aggressive, Nate. Have you been drinking? Do you guys drink? Actually, I think I did see you drink one time when I was uh, working. So, what the fuck you say? Nothing, nothing. It, you're right, you're right. I didn't see nothing when I was an excess security guard. But, uh, hey, man, nothing wrong with having a good time here in Vegas, man. I just, I don't I don't want to get you sick or anything. Yeah, I'm fucking boosted, aren't you, dog? Uh, well, I don't want to get back into it. We kind of just had a longer segment than I'd like. But, yeah, I, 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 I am not. Oh, you're not, motherfucker. <laughs> Look at this bitch. Fucking... You know, that's the thing is, first of all, I just want to give a shout out to Sacramento Chevrolet. I was hooking it up. 
But that's the thing about these fucking motherfuckers is that, like, you know, they don't want to put, you know, the vaccines in them. But look at me. I don't know what the fuck's in this weed. Like, dude, this is my brand weed. I still don't even know what the fuck's in it. <laughs> I don't. Not many people listen to this podcast. This is going out publicly, so I don't know if you want to shit on your own brand or criminalize yourself. But uh, hopefully, there's nothing toxic in there. Uh, yeah, you went in. My lungs are pretty fucked up right now, man. I just uh, unless you got some gummies. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go there because I don't want to get fucking sick from you. Well, you might want to start by putting on a mask. I got one. Got one right there on the nightstand. On your way out, Nate. All right. You want to at least shout out Dan Mac, who was. And fuck yeah. All right. That's Nate Diaz, folks. That was uh, that was Nate Diaz. Wow. All right. I'm not sure why the fuck. Okay, if he... Thank God he's not... He never fights because I probably would have... I think I might have just jeopardized it, to be honest, right there. We're going to move on to... If anything's fucked up, I'm blaming the COVID totally. I don't even know if what it is, but, you know, I'm guessing it's what it is. Um. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get through this fast shower. I think we still get this under a half hour. Um, Calvin Kada, plus 205. Get your minus 245. Um, yeah, man. Um, I think I eat shit twice in a row on, on Chikadze fights. I don't normally pick against him because he's usually matched up very appropriately. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. If I have my room to uh, give my giga, my giga, uh, my giga hate, which I don't hate the guy, so I don't even want to say that, because um, I think that his knockout cancer charity is awesome, and I wish that was talked about more from all sides, um, and especially now if he's going to be making more more big money, uh, you know, he can really not just bring more money, but more attention, right, to um, a uh, a cancer charity, which is fucking awesome. We need more of that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I got, you know, shots to my guy, John, John Rico and stuff. I have friends who are, are friends with him and train with him. So I'm, I'm definitely not trying to offend, but I definitely do have some, uh, uh, Phil McKenzie sensibility about me. Shots to him in the heavy hands podcast. I wasn't able to listen, but, uh, I'm sure you go there for, um, not just good analysis, obviously, but, um, for the giga, for, you know, if there's any giga hate, um, it's just, uh, but speaking of that podcast, uh, Connor, um, he, he said something a while ago, and it really rang with me. I have similar sensibilities in, in a lot of ways where, you know, he was saying that he doesn't like his style and kind of didn't want to admit that it's better than what he gave credit for or something along those lines. I don't want to put words into his mouth as I'll instead parlay that to me, and I'll take credit for that because that's how I feel. And, um, you know, I still feel like he is going to be taxed. Um, the fact that, again, he's seems to be better about with his nutrition setup, but at the same time, like, he's six foot cutting a featherweight with that big frame. He's 33, 34, so he's, you know, growing out of his on-paper prime and into when you really got to be fighting at your more natural weight classes, right, when you get toward your mid-30s. Um, uh, that and then the fact of uh, it's hard to uh, see his cardio just magically getting better when both in kickboxing and MMA, um, when pressed and the fight's not going his way, uh, he uh, he's shown to tire um, and slow down. He could fall apart. And I don't know how 
smart he can fight either, even though he's a natural, clearly a natural-born fighter. Uh, but as far as smarts and pacing goes, because when people challenge his ego, he always answers the bell, and that's the problem. That's kind of why he gets so tired. That's And he will almost, you know, whether he's doing a rolling thunder and kickboxing or even MMA or other, other things that put him in really bad positions, he will almost do it out of spite to show that he can... He's that much better than you. And that's a really dangerous game to play. Especially when you've been fighting, you know, the majority of your career uh, is, uh, you know, relevant careers is, is a lot of cans. Uh, because now he's he's really stepping up. Now, even though he's stepping up, they've still been giving him, you know, older guys stylistically, you know, strikers delight, you know. Uh, even Giga in an interview, I heard himself say, I can't believe I haven't gotten wrestlers yet. They keep giving me all the strikers. And it's like, well, you're the hype dude and you... Get the right path, what do you say? Um, and, you know, he seems to be feeling himself, which... I mean, if the gas isn't alone, I'm picking Shikadze here, but if the gas tank isn't alone to make you worried, um, and if you laid the chalk on Shikadze, I'm not here to make you feel bad about it. I just, this is... This is a dog or pass spot. And I'm picking Shikadze to do something within the first three. I just feel like there's going to be a pocket in round two. Um, between his first and second win, that cater, if he can pick up the pack and keep with it, can really make Chikadze pay early, especially if he's pressuring, countering, getting him to the cage, countering kicks. However, those parts of Cater's game um, are not very consistent, in my view. In fights that both he's won and lost, I notice that it doesn't take much to get him off of his game. Um, it's not as obvious an ego thing like with Chikadze where people can challenge his ego kind of a deal. Uh, but um, even though he's really tough and he won't be deterred that way, um, if he is hit with hard shots, uh, you know, that can get him thinking a bit, right? And Chikadze is full of those hard and unpredictable shots which could really stammer Cater's momentum as he tries to get his sea legs back after almost a year gone now, right? Minus a day. So... Um, in my breakdown on MMA Junkie, you notice I didn't talk too much about those intangibles, although they are real. Obviously, the damage that he took from Holloway is real, um, and certainly plays a factor. Uh, I picked more, again, I try not to get hung up on things you can't really prove, uh, although <laughs> brain damage and, you know, trauma is, is real, folks, obviously. But, um, and, you know, that was, that was tough to watch the second time through, by the way, that fight again. Um, and I like those guys, obviously. It just was tough to watch um, for my conscience and my soul. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm picking more off stylistically, which is willing kickers, willing body attackers, especially willing body kickers, um, have been able to really tax that boxing-centric style from the lead leg to the body of the high guard of Calvin Cater. Um, and this late in the game... It's hard to see him making that major of changes. And if you purposely go to block your body, well, that's when, that's where the, uh, quote, giga kick really, f you know, uh, finds its stride, so to speak, and earns its name in the fact that it's hard to predict his, his, his janky mechanics, make it hard to tell if he's going body or head, and you just know that fucking painful power is coming your way. Because um, he's stupid strong, stupid fast, stupid explosive, and as we saw in round three, and I, I really do think if Edson survived that, not that it shouldn't have been stopped or anything, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like maybe he didn't get hurt as bad and survive that flurry is what I'm more saying. 
um, that the percentages would have went heavily in his favor. Like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Giga exploding like that in round three, he wouldn't have had much left. But we didn't get to see it, did we? We didn't get past even in the middle part in round three, much less championship rounds, which we have not seen Giga enter. And even though I'm picking Giga, I'm kind of surprised to see it chalked and people thinking this is going to go longer, which it totally can. And if it does, well, then I picked wrong. I should have picked Cater. And I'm rooting for Cater, his team, and you Cater betters out there. This is definitely a dogger pass spot. Not trying to make you feel bad if you lay the chalk on Giga. Don't take it personal. Just you know how I am about hype trains, and this one's due to come off. Now, you may get away with one if you bet him here, but I don't know how much further. Um, especially you look at the intangible. You want to talk about intangibles, what about the Giggy intangibles, about how he's, he's upset and trying to call out Volkanovsky, you know, when he should be focusing on his fight. And he's taking pictures with Dana, and Dana's making him his guy. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, Dana defenders will always talk about what he did, and you can't deny those parts of history, though they are often um, very editorialized. So be careful what you what you read or believe out there. But as far as him talent scouting goes, I mean, I was thinking about this. Like, you know, like, I feel like he's almost like the kiss of death, you know, when he starts backing a dude, you know. You know, uh, all the way back from, you know, Pride and, and Chuck having that terrible run over and... and not terrible, but, you know, you got, you got you beat up and they had him on commentary. And you look at Sage or Paige um, to, you know, more newer eras. Like, I don't know, it kind of feels like the kiss of death, you know. Or, or, the, or they become good and as soon as they actually become as good as he says, you know. Francis doesn't want to fight. He's out flying the world. Or whatever that fucking... Horseshit narrative. Um, you know, it's it's there's just a lot of fucking red flags is what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make any feel bad for back in Chikadze. He's who I'm picking here. But I hope I'm fucking wrong. I'll be happy if I'm fucking wrong. Nothing against Giga personally, seems like a you know. You know, I just um yeah. Uh dogger pass. Um, by the way, if and I said this in my betting breakdowns and breakdowns that um if Giga unloads on him and thinks he's going to get Cater out and he survives in round one or two, live bet, I'm going to live bet the fuck out of Cater because it's going to be a stupid number. You're going to probably gonna get like plus 450 to plus, maybe even plus 750 up that range. I would imagine if like Cater loses the first and then just Giga flurries hard the second, Cater's still there. Um, so I think that's a really good way to attack Cater. Not that two to one odds is bad. Um, that seems to be the jumping line as it keeps bouncing from one ninety five to two oh five. Co-main event, as I said in my uh, article, the co-main event. I feel like is, uh, fight night co-main events have been kind of dead since twenty nineteen for those paying attention. Uh, but in case you need any more proof, uh, Jake Collier minus one thirty five, Chase Sherman plus one oh five. Um, Basically, if Chase Sherman can't catch Collier Cole and get him out of there in the first, Collier's will, uh, cardio and volume, um, is going to take over. Chase Sherman was short notice against Orlovsky, but his last fight, he um, still looked like he just, he looked like he had a lot of improvements in the first round. I was like, wow, Chase Sherman with improvements. But by the second round, he was back to old Chase. 
head straight up, getting countered. I know the guy's been through a lot, um, which makes sense. You know, you, you, you this social media stuff's no joke too, man. You know, soft block me, fucking bitch mute me. But like, honestly, it's so damn toxic. You have to use those things, um, especially if you're anyone resembling a person of whatever, a public figure, whatever. And, you know, dude maybe brought it on himself a lot as far as really putting himself out there. If you, you know, in that regard, sure, I guess. But, um, doesn't mean you can't have sympathy for it. Doesn't make it right, you know. And I don't know what the fuck the guy went through, but I just, uh, you hear a lot of these stories. They're very common, even when you don't hear them. So, um, but I'm going to go with Collier. Um, you know, he looked a little toned up. Yeah, right. Um, you know, he looked like he's, you know, really set into his wage for whatever that's worth. And, uh, say to you about Carlos Philippe, you know, having a guy talk shit to you, the psychological and the physical pressure. And, uh, there were points where he was clock checking and it was looking bad, but he composed himself, Collier did, and pushed through. And that's something I really haven't seen Sherman do. So, uh, I played Collier by decision, plus 160, 25 units, and... Um, I went back around for round sprinkles and I figure I want to add a round three with how bad Sherman can look and the fact that Collier is one of those few heavyweights, kind of like his last fighter, uh, who can throw the 300, uh, or throw 100, land 100 significant strikes in a three round fight. Um, so round three plus 1800, 0.7U, 0.25U by decision, Collier plus 160. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Royver, minus 170. Ruggiero Bontorin, plus 140, was real tempted to take Bontorin, you know, the superior grappler in the small cage to get his game going. And not that MMA math is a thing, but the Kaikara France thing stuck in my head. I played Bontorin there, and it was going exactly as I planned. I was ready to send the tweet, and nope. Kaikara France got up and knocked him out. Uh, Bontorin... That fight, I believe he made weight. Um, I think it's the fights where he didn't make weight is actually when he looks good and has cardio. So if he didn't make weight, um, I was probably going to pick him and maybe even sprinkle. But he did make weight, and he looked like he really drew himself out. Um, so uh, in, in a fight that was kind of close, and I was leaning Royville anyways... So you know what? I'll stick with the Royville pick, even though I really want to back the dog here. And I wasn't going to play it. I just want to sit back and enjoy. But um, shouts to my guy, um, Clint, at Die Hard MMA Pod. Um, I think he posted like a Royal around three sprinkle, and I was like, oh, yeah. So I want to credit him and shout him. But I took Royal around 3.10 U, and then I also did round 2.10 U. So that liver kick is going to hurt him. If it doesn't get him out of there, it'll make him overly duck, which will make him duck into the southpaw head kick or spinning elbow of Royville, uh, who can either finish by strikes or maybe get a guillotine if um, Bontarin uh, shoots in. But if Royville brings the pace and his body holds up, that's another thing about back in Royville. Why I didn't lay the chalk on him, but I'll play the props, is because um, even though Bontarin is like John Lineker in the sense that he's like kind of has that not long for the division feel and makes him very hard because you don't know if he's going to be consistent with his weight cut and performances. Well, Royville, he's consistent with his pressure, but his body doesn't hold up very well. And like a lot of 5'9 guys who eventually have to move up from flyweight, right? 
or even these taller guys at Bantamweight, right? I always talk about this. Their bodies don't hold up. Tall, skinny guys for the lower, lowest weight classes. That's Royville's another prime example of that with his shoulder, and that's something that always happens to his own admission. So for that reason, he will always be dangerous to play. You know, I cashed with him on his big dog against Kaikara France. That was nice. I'll back him via props and a pick here, but I'm betting very small amounts, folks. Beginning of the year, we're bank building, baby. We gotta stay disciplined. Um, next fight, Caitlin Chukagian. Speaking of discipline, minus one ninety. Jennifer Maya plus one fifty five. Um, dynamics basically the same, but I feel like Chukagian has gotten better with her wrestling, wrestling urgency, and sitting down on her punches, particularly her checking jabs and hooks and jabbing off the hooks, etc. That's really been a big thing with her, and you can tell from with Mark Henry working with her in the corner. That's something that they focused on, but um, yeah. Um, so for that reason, uh, even though it's the small cage, I'll still take her because when watching Jennifer Maya, she doesn't consistently pressure. She's kind of a stick and move and really does her best work countering, whether it's knees or right hands. And Chukagian's not going to be committing or changing her level that low enough for those knees, those collar tie knees that Maya likes. Those right hands will, of course, um, be there if she times them right. Uh, but it's a bit few and far between. And obviously she's going to lose a a volume more if she tries to do that. But I feel like Maya, who I can usually predict her cuts really well, and, well, it already happened, so this is no surprise, I guess. But I was intending, like I normally do, to record this on Thursday. I was going to say, expect her to make weight because she looks good in her... She looks like she's been keeping on weight for a while now, according to her Instagram. But, and I don't say this being mean because I am thick, big-boned, and I think all these fighters should be healthy and, uh, you know... uh, I think women should be healthy, especially the double standard and all that stuff. But I will say both physically and from a stylistically perspective, I feel like Jennifer Maya is just fighting a lot of, uh, fighting a lot of gravity, you know, fighting a lot of physics. Um, maybe is the better word. You know, she, she looks like Jeremy Stevens at 145 or the sense like she needs everything to go right for her to even make the weight physically. And then stylistically, she's a naturally plotting fighter. But she tries to be so high up on her toes and really imitate that shootbox style that all the her boyfriend and all the men at the shootbox monstro do, and you know that kind of high on the tie marching style. But it's like her body just wants to sit and be heavy and sit down on power and counter, and maybe change level off the counter, maybe set her takedowns up that way. But she's just stuck on this like. You know she's just fighting gravity and she's really working against herself. I think stylistically and physically. Um, not that it'd be much different at 135. I think stylistically is more the big question here. Maybe not. Obviously, weight cutting is important, but you know what I mean. Um, I don't like how it matches up either way against Chukagian, who is a big, uh, flyweight herself. So, Chukagian's a parlay piece. I was going to go decision prop, but minus 120 I thought was a bit too rich for my blood, and maybe I should have took it, because now it's like minus 150 and up. Um... If I'm doing, like, terribly shitty, maybe I take that, but I don't know, man. The way I have it set up is I just need a couple of these flyers to hit, and I'm, I'm plus money. Um, Dakota Bush, plus 155. Uh, Vyacheslav Borshev, minus 185. Um, you know, I, I figure more people will be on Borshev, given that, you know, he's a contender series, Eastern European striker. That's That's all the hype, right? So he's got a, he's got a cool nickname, Slava Claus. But uh, no, I actually liked what I saw from this guy. I like his defensive process, both on the, on the feet, as well as um, when he tries to get up. 
like against the cage and stuff, which is good because he back puts his back to the cage. A lot of back takers of Team Alpha Male and Dakota Bush. All his submissions are rear naked choke. He's a wrestler, likes to grapple and will take a back, which I love. But that seems to be really the extent of his main threats. He will be in the small cage. He has gotten right into it before when he fought like Muay Thai guys that were of lower level in the regional circuit. Dakota Bush did, got right to it. Takedown RNC kind of style. Um, but Borishev, I think um, his, uh, again, I just like him in scrambles. And I think he can survive. Um, I don't think he's got a cardio issue. I like Borishev's hustle. Uh, I don't know if I'm sold on the narrative that Bush is a round one fighter. He gets mainly mostly round one finishes. Um, I had a hard time re-tagging up that fight where he loses a decision to Julio Willis, I think, and he throws the drop kick. But he looks like a balls-out guy that will go for it and will fight for your money. So um, good luck to you if you play to go to Bush. I respect it enough to where I'm picking Borishev. My play is not reliant on a side. I took the over, 2.5, at plus 115. It's now plus 110. It opened at plus 105, so... Not that I care, but, but I, I can rarely often say, especially a card that's been fucking inflated by people that just couldn't wait for fucking UFC. Like, Jesus, fucking get outside. Get a goddamn life, man. Uh, just kidding. I, it says the guy with no life. Um, I just, I'm trying to get outside, so I just, I'm just envious and in a shitty mood. Forgive me. I love you guys. By the way, I, I must uh, like, I must piss a lot of people off because I, I got more negative reviews, so if you guys want to help me on Apple Podcasts, but don't. It's not me playing a violin because, you know what, I think it's still like 4.9, 5 stars overall. But um, I'm like, you know what, with all my fucking unpopular opinions, like I should have way more like lower stars to be honest. So I ain't even complaining. That being said, if you all want to help me, 5 star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts really means a lot. Um, but yeah, Dakota Bush, um, you know, he looks like he's in much better shape he took his last fight in short notice. So again, I don't want to condemn him and say he's a one round fighter. He looked like he finished his camp with glory and main fitness. So, you know, they're going to be game planning really well. Um, so expect Dakota Bush to have a big round one, maybe even a 10, eight Brad. Um, and by the way, shout out to, to Scott font font Fontana. I'm planting that seed because, um, Again, you know, I remember little factoids from last podcast. That there's a lot of little factoids for betters. One of which, which was Mike Bell's the most likely to go 10-8 against his counterparts. Um, I'm not sure. I know they'll post refing assignments early. I don't know if they post specific judge, judging assignments. If they do, and if you're able to find that, and your fight with Bigot's draw potential, as I always, and I know it's a stupid wet dream that never really happens much, but. Um, I, I'm still going to use my free play, only free plays, only a couple bucks, but I'm still going to use it for that. And I'm going to let you know what the fight is with the most draw potential. Um, it's this one in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Mike Bell, by the way, if you see him on, on, on this fight or a fight with that, you think that has draw potential. Well, maybe you sprinkle a little bit on the draw, especially if that, you know, the first round goes the way you need it to for a draw. So I could see Dakota Bush really just having one of those dominant rounds, kind of like Cody Durden um, and um, whatchamacallit, uh, Factory X, people are shouting right now, the kicking guy. Uh, Chris Gutierrez has fighting for his kid's custody. Shouts to, shouts to the man attic. But uh, yeah, Chris Gutierrez and uh, Cody Durden. It could be like one of those first rounds. And then if Bush is a first-round fighter, like people suspect, um, then... Borishev and Borishev does has that intangible 
of his attitude intangibles, where he's really a hard guy to get down and discouraged. Seems to have good cardio and urgency overall. Athletic, uh, in that regard, as far as um, I don't want to say athleticism, but he's cardio and conditioning, well conditioned. And yeah, he banks those last two rounds, or just loses the first and then wins the last two. As my official pick is Borishev by decision. Um, I just feel like both. I think Borishev's a better grappler than given credit for, and Bush. Even though he does kind of, he, he kind uh, is is a bit sloppy on the feet and is asking to be countered, and no one should be surprised if he gets uppercutted. Particularly, I do like that Bush rolls under his crosses, which is going to be useful because um, Vyacheslav Borshev really loves his left hook. It's a beautiful left hook, but he's got a really mean check hook off the counter. Um. So yeah, uh, so you know, uh, but Bush hasn't been stopped. He seems like a tough kid, a big kid, a durable kid. He'll fight for your money. So I'm not sure he'll get finished either. So my official pick, Borsha, by decision. The main play is the over 2.5 plus 115, half a unit. Um, my two-leg parlay with Chukagian is only like 0.55, so just over half a unit. Again, keeping things small. Uh, and, yeah, the free play on the draw. Fuck around and find out. Joe Anderson Brito, minus 145. Bill Algio, plus 115. I was back and forth on this one. I could see why Brito is favored despite the hype, which I'm against. And you guys know that. Like I gave him like a B- minus in my contender series because I'm like, I'm not going to hype a guy who literally did like every foul in the book. He might have even missed weight, didn't he? But like, yeah, he was like kneeing in the head, kneeing on the head, uh, downward elbow. I think he's an eye poke, growing. I forget. He, did, he ran through the fucking checklist. Um... And he looks like in crazy shape and all that, but uh, you know, I, that's not everything. We we know that, you know. And even though he's got that weird kind of crazy UL Merrill like cardio, like he's still dangerous in the third round, which is why he has third round finishes. Um, he definitely fights in pockets, and um, unless he's able to control Bill Algio, which I think that's his route to victory, is controlling two rounds and surviving the third. Um, is probably how it goes, but I still picked Algio. I'm not confident enough to play him. I may sprinkle small. What I did do is I played Algio round three um, at plus 1,800.7 units uh, because that's going to be his round to win the fight probably. you know. Um, Brito, as soon as he gets hit, he always changed levels. And you want to talk about a guy who doesn't roll under the hooks, it's Brito. I put this in my notes. Um, Brito is going to get KO'd by a counter hook. Mark my words. Joe Anderson Brito is going to get knocked out by a fighter with a good check and counter hook. I don't know if Algio is that guy. Um, he's his feet are kind of all over the place a lot of the times. It's hard to get a uh, it's hard to get that consistent look from him, but it is in his repertoire. Um, he also has knees. He also has guillotine finishes as he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So all he really needs to do is hurt Brito. And then maybe he jumps him into a guillotine. For that reason, really hard to pin down a method. Um, you know, you play Algio inside the distance, um, I think. Uh, but um, Brito is a brown belt. Um, and he just kind of throws with power. And, you know, he's got the muscles. And he's going to hype up the MMA gamblers. Because, you know, that's what, you know, um, a lot of y'all like. And that's fine. It's all good. The market reflects that. Um I'm gonna go against the market in this case. He he's gotta he's gotta prove himself, and you could say that about Chikadze as far as the championship rounds argument. But again, there was other stylistic things that are too hard to ignore in his favor. So, um, but yeah, I won't take the um, 
the hype dude here. But I love how like they're talking about, especially people like you don't don't research their stuff. Like, oh, Chikazi's undefeated, especially with like because they're just seeing how the UFC is marketing him, and I'm like, look, this guy's an undefeated phenom. I'm like, he lost on the Contender Series in the same cage he's fighting on this Saturday. He lost on the regional. Shout out to my boy Gil Gardado. Grounded as, grounded his butt. He lost kickboxing and plenty of different avenues. Like, what 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 is this? Un, oh, but he's undefeated in the UFC. I'm like, mm. he arguably lost to Jamal Emmer despite Jamal Emmer's showing ridiculously bad fight IQ, which is what I cited and why I told you he was going to give it away to Pat Sabatini. Speaking of another CFFC East Coast. East Coast dude, um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, with that crew here, with that uh, you know, with the boys from that hood here. Sorry, Brazil. Sorry to my three percent Portuguese. I haven't referenced that in a while. Um, yeah, so the picks Algio, round three. Jamie Pickett plus one thirty. Joseph Holmes minus one sixty. I didn't even look at this fight. I had no intention of playing it. I have nothing to say. Um, yeah, I guess I'll pick Holmes. There we go. Um, again, that's not going to be on the junkie fight uh, or the junkie article coming out in the morning, folks. Maybe when you guys are listening to this. Um, yeah, so I didn't even touch that one. This one I did. Court McGee minus one ten. Uh, Ramiz Brahimash minus one twenty. Court McGee open, I believe, is the favorite, and I agree with that. Line flip, not enough to get plus money on Court McGee, but there's also death taxes and McGee by decision. Um, the guy's never been subbed. Um, you know, good grapplers are probably the easiest thing to find. It's kind of like a band, right? Like, what's the hardest? The hardest is a drummer. The easiest is a guitar player. Everyone plays the fucking guitar. Everyone wants to be a singer. Um, but bass and guitar are, or bass and drums are probably the harder uh, things to find, right? As far as an ensemble. And... Bass and drums are really important if you've played in a band because they should, at least, in theory, be holding your BPMs, your beats per minute, your drummer, at least, and your bass in tow and so forth, right? Singer and the guitar player like the ice cream on the, and icing on the cake. So if you'd use a similar analogy to trying to forecast what's available to fighters, let's say wrestling, good wrestling, depending on where you are, that becomes regionally, right? Um, but I would say... You know, good striking, maybe right in the middle. Some places are super hotbeds. Other places, there's a lot of phonies, maybe. But grappling, there's plenty of there's plenty of fucking creepy guys, nerds, potheads, gamers, streamers, uh, and actual martial artists and jujitsu people in the traditional sense who are like good at jujitsu. You know what I'm saying? Like you could find that a lot of places. So. And then Court McGee hasn't just been in Orem, Utah. Like he's went over in Cross Street and Factory X in the last few years. He's been around fresh, you know, good coaches like Mark Montoya and whatnot. Brahimash, only a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but maybe kind of that Charles Oliveira blue belt, purple belt, where they come in and you can tell they've got a hunger for that game. Uh, I should have played my read. I read Brahimash's fight to a T last. He's in the small cage, and that is his path here. But again, McGee deceptively tough to take down, scramble with fight against the cage with. He's got deceptively good against the cage, or he's wherewithal at the very least. And Brahimaj appears to be, you know, you could probably call him a first-round fighter maybe more than um, uh, more than um, D- Dakota Bush. 
So I played McGee by decision. Um, no round three add on the Collier, just by decision. You get that at plus 185. I went 0.27, not 0.25. Big bucks, baby. 0.27 units, I know. It's $27. Um, on that one. So yeah, we're bank building. Keeping it small. Brian Kelleher, minus 300. Kevin Kroon, plus 240. Uh, I took Kelleher here. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe I'm setting myself up for a disappointment, Tante. But at least it's early in the card. And, again, it's only a two-leg for plus 105, Kelleher and Catlin Chukagian. Um, and I only put .55U uh, um, on it. So, like, essentially, like, one of my round props cash, and I make that back. Um, so, and at least I'll know early. Because even though Kelleher is more favored, I feel like he's the more sketchy one. Because we've seen Kroom do the same thing on short notice in the same place before. But that was to Roosevelt Roberts, who, you know, no offense to him, kind of proven to be kind of pretty fraudulent, right? Whereas Kelleher, he has given up spots before in opportunistic submissions. Granted, that was to Cheeto Vera. When I use that example of slamming to the wrong side of the Kimura, um, he slammed away instead of toward the double wrist lock. And he got armbarred. And Cheeto Vera has shown opposite Roosevelt Roberts. Well, that aged pretty well. In fact, Kelleher, and I'm not going to overinflate the Hennon Burrell wins, you know, because we all know Hennon State. But as far as his losses, like, he only loses to pretty legit guys. Like, I think even Andy Main, um, that's another big 145, 155-er even. I mean, he fought him at 145. And I've trained with Andy before, and he's an East Coast guy. But I trained with him over at Alliance MMA in San Diego. I think when Miles Jury, for whatever, I don't know why he bring in. I mean, Andy, Andy's good, but like, he was gonna. It was before his Gomi fight, and he brought him in specifically. I was like, this guy, he looks nothing like Gomi. He's like rubber guard, tall, lanky. He likes to box too, but I mean, it was he's much more fundamentally sound than Gomi, uh, or not than Gomi, but you know, I mean, not as wild. Anyways, I'm not trying to say here or there, but um. But yeah, like, you know, he throws him into the triangle. And a lot of those, the opportunistic stuff, whether it's regional guys or guys like proven guys like Chito Vera, um, what is, what's the common thread if you go look through his submission losses? It's, it's from the guard. Whereas Kroom, I believe all his submissions are like RNCs pretty much. He doesn't have any guard submissions. That's not his game. He's going to push to the cage like Alex Caceres and try to wear on you. And... That fight, I believe he had a full camp for. And in that fight, he gassed and got out-wrestled by Alex Caceres. I know Alex Caceres, by myself and many, I'll admit it, under uh, criminally underrated him, but undervalued him. But that being said, I still would argue that wrestling for prolonged periods is not Alex Caceres' forte. Um, and he will find wins in there, as he almost did. Oh, man, speaking of guy, I could not bet to save my life. I think I bet on him there by submission and... How many times did he get it? He's like, yeah, I'm going to let this go. <laughs> and then I bet fucking Sung Woo Choi and Caceres insta-sub. Like, Motherfucker. <laughs> so hopefully some of that, none of that bad juju rolls over here. But, like, again, Krim's on short notice. He's got to still make his normal weight class. Like, at least, at least you know, Charles Rosa, who we'll talk about here to, to finish this up, at least he got to fight a weight class up. Like, Krim is taking it on relatively similar short notice. And he still has to cut to his weight class, which he's big for. And the dude's been fighting forever. And again, he's older. He's in that like 33, 34, 30, uh, 33, 34 range. 
a lot of miles on that, MMA miles, mind you. Um, and then we look at Kelleher, who's shown that he actually can fight conservative against another guy who is really big and strong and I would say had more of an opportunity you know, with the way he moves and his proven submission skills, Polarte. I'm not high on Polarte, but he was more of a guard threat than Kroom is. And we saw him give him all the opportunity in what was actually a smart, conservative fight by Kelleher. That's what you want to see as a better. He knows he can wrestle all three rounds. Um, and again, if he gassed and got out-wrestled by Caceres, I think Kelleher can either do another controlling decision or I think his left hooks are going to be live for, uh, uh, to knock Kevin Kroom out, actually. That and his body work, because Kelleher quietly does some decent body work, and that's going to be open all day, I believe, for Kevin Kroom, who is already taking this fight on short notice, has shown to be a bit do-or-die and can gas before. Uh, right? Which is probably why I bet the Caceres subline. So I just took Kelleher. I didn't get fancy with it. I'm already exposed enough at .55U, which is not a lot, but again, I'm... I'm playing within small limits. We're bank building here. The pick is Kelleher. Um, and he could also get a guillotine, too, because Kevin Kroom's going to be shooting, 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 and he's tired, and, and Kelleher is crazy good guillotine. So it's really tough. KO, decision, um, sub, inside the distance, decision. These are hard propositions to make. So that's why I just paired him with Chukagian, set it and forget it for plus money. TJ, downtown Brown, minus 220, Charles. Boston strong, yo, 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 this is mental from Boston, Miss, plus 180. Uh, I love my guy Charles Rosa, but um, I'm still going to go with TJ Brown here. I know my guy Brownstetter uh, was asking about this fight as well. I'm curious to see what his thoughts are after he got through his studies when I talked to him. But um, I told him that I was going to look at TJ Brown. I, I didn't. Uh, I watched one of his LFA fights. I stumbled upon one of those. Um, but basically, you know, he looks in good shape, even in the fights at 155. Um, I feel like he can wrestle and kind of follow the pathway. Uh, that's been the blueprint that's been laid out on Charles Rosa. So I'm picking Brown here. Uh, however, I will say, um, I'm looking at my sheet. I didn't play him, but if you're going to play Rosa, play round one, um, and play round three. He hasn't really gotten a lot of round three finishes. He might actually only have one or two. But he's going to be in a position where he's down on the card. Surprise, surprise. Um, and even though it wasn't the most confident pick, I don't believe, I did call that Rosa. I did pick Rosa and say that he was going to have a moment. He's being down the cards and he's going to be able to have a moment in round three. He did with um, Walt Goggins, uh, Damon Jackson. So uh, I think that's going to be live here. You know, he's just, he's already gambling on himself. He's already winning, got a new contract. Um, you know, you're in a losing fight. You know, guy maybe hasn't really hurt you too much. Charles Rose is pretty durable. So I say sprinkle Chip Rosa round one and round three if you're looking to play the dog here because he's not winning a decision. And um, I don't even think he's got a round two finish, does he? Maybe. So, yeah, all right. I went longer than I thought. Um, that's it. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. Um, MixedMartialAnalyst.com hosts this podcast. Um, there's a PayPal donation link. I've been thinking more seriously about um, setting up a Patreon just for people that want to donate. Because I feel like when people do donate, they feel like they donate a lot. I don't want you guys to feel that way. But if, if you do want to support, I just will give you multiple ways so you don't feel like you can donate fucking a dollar or two or five or some shit. Um, 
But there is a secure PayPal official donation link at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, thank you for the well wishes. I hope to pull through this. Again, not trying to preach, but this, this shit, you shouldn't have to wait for a podcast from an idiot like me. But, like, yeah, it's serious. So be safe, wear your masks, get boosted, get vaccinated if you aren't. Um, no judgment, just do the right thing, please, and look out for one another. Not a, not a lot of that um, in the world, and we need to do a better job. I know I need to do a better job myself. I'm going to try to do better by you guys and by me this year, okay? I love you guys. Thank you. And always protect your next.